Welcome to the very first episode of Kicking It Local. I am Johnny Kecko, and throughout this series, I'll be sitting back and chatting to various people involved in the round ball game here in South Australia. Coaches, players, officials, everyone in between as well. Get to know them on the pitch and off it as well, and get to see what's happening at some of your favourite clubs. And today is no different. The very first person I'll be chatting with is the head coach of the Adelaide Hills Hawks in the State League 1 for the second year in a row, the one and only Gareth Von Duvet. Mate, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, mate. And the pronunciation of your name, everyone gets a little uh, bit... Yeah, it's Von Du, Von Duvi, it's... Von Duvet, yeah, it's all it's different just, ones, isn't it? Yeah, 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 we sort of never really <laughs> nailed down which one it is. So. Well, it's easy, yeah, everyone calls you around the club as Gaz. Gaz, yep. yeah. that's the easiest <laughs> way. So I'm going to call you Gaz throughout the whole uh, yep. chat today, but I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Last year, you copped it right at the beginning, for the, or the club, not yourself, but it was hard for you to come in because everyone said... You guys want to get relegated in season 2021. Yeah. You had a hard job. The first few games wasn't easy, but you managed to somehow just miss the finals. What did you make of your first um, season in charge of the Hawks? It was very, uh, very challenging. Sort of, I probably didn't expect it to be uh, sort of the way that it was. I think I was probably a little bit naive um, just in how other coaches can coach against you and sort yep. of, you know nullify certain areas of the game so yeah the first four games was a bit of a wake-up call for me with yeah. not scoring a goal not look like scoring a goal and losing losing four straight and then yeah sort of hit a bit of a you know purple patch with form there but i think it's just it, you know, injuries can play a part of it but mm. we sort of had probably six or seven out in that first four four weeks and then once we're able to sort of fill the squad back up and um, everyone sort of found their feet and I got used to them, they got used to me yep. and uh, probably Scotty Harrison was a big inclusion as well so yeah. as soon as he come in and Callum Hutchins um, decided to play, it sort of settled the squad a little bit and yeah. And you had uh, Callum Elms come into the squad but you also lost um, uh, Daniel Hosking as well who went into yeah. the NPL, got a great opportunity at Panthers. He's back this season. Yep. Is he going to fit straight back in or is he uh, going to work for it this year? He's going to have to work for it. I think, I think um, you know, Ollie a big Fridgy being our main vocal point as a striker there, but yep. Tommy uh, Tommy Taylor, who's you know got the nickname Tommy Tats with uh, with the physique and the all the tattoos across his body, but I think he's really sort of shown what he can do, and um, and then even Paris Duffield as well uh, can slot up top. But you know I think when Fridgy went on holidays there, we seen that you know Jake Leckle and Daniel Pauly sort of really did a role for us as well. So mm. uh, I think Hosko will sort of you know he's got to find that he's um not going to walk in which he understands that we had a chat before he committed back to us and he knows that yeah there's four or five blokes that can play in his position now so he's got to sort of stay on top of the ball it's gonna be good for you though but oh, it's gonna be hard and good for you because you've got a, a whole heap of uh, yeah. attacking players you can use up front now so yeah well that's <laughs> oh, that, you know i think we've got nine midfielders so yep. it's uh yeah, it's different difficult but it's a probably a good you know it's a good problem to have especially in the day of the way that yeah. COVID is so. and last year you had ollie grant obviously up front and uh when you lost hosking it was okay because you had ollie grant there to yeah. take his place but when he was gone for like those five games from a red card suspension you, you struggled a little bit for getting back into it but you managed to get a plan b and a plan c yeah in play well, as well. we just end up changing the formation yeah. and um, only because both times when we had to go uh, a man down and we played two up top, it sort of the two players that we had up top were able to work in tandem really well together in Paulie and Leckle. So we just thought, well, we'll just play two up top from now on. And, and that four, you know, when Fridgey had that little four weeks off, we I think we had two or maybe two wins and two draws. Yep. And every time we played someone, they were above us. So we are able to sort of walk away with, you know, eight points out of, mm. um, out of you know, a really good sort of 
a good section of um of games there. So yeah, and you said Fridgy is that his nickname? Yeah, big yeah. fridge. That's odd. They, <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's just because he's a big fridge. I don't yeah. know. He's just a big boy. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, very uh, relevant and um. With uh, with him this year, any changes to him or um, no? We've no. Over, I mean, you know, we've sort of been able to bring a few different guys in, and I think he he realizes that sort of the way that I was trying to coach and the work that we were doing outside of just our normal team structures to to get him firing and to you know get more opportunities on goal. Um, I think he you know he sort of did feel pretty bad about the the red cards, and he's definitely trying to. We're working on him on how to change or not how to change him, but just get themselves out of those situations and because yeah. other clubs know now yeah. if they can just sort of fire him up a little bit and he's just a passionate man he just oh, loves yeah. to play and and he plays you know he, he loves the boys and just wants to play well for the club and I think you know sometimes he can't harness that sort of passion that he has and does you know has little brain spurts but I think he knows that and we're sort of working on a bit of a plan yeah. on you know just how to help him and I think he, he knows himself that he's just you know that little bit of maturity and yeah. he'll be fine like but I think you know it's some players do, some players don't. And yeah. I just think we're just, we'll just we get the best out of him well, when we need to. From commentating your games last season for the NPL TV, I was watching. It made it entertaining for us calling yeah. the games when he was getting a bit fired up. But I know as a coach, it would have been hard, difficult on you. But oh, It's just how he is. I think, you know, as, as soon as you accept it, you yeah. can sort of help, him, help yeah. him manage it a little bit then. But, I mean, it's, he's not the only one. I think it's just... Oh yeah, everyone. He, yeah, every, um, everyone's got their own little own little ways, and he's just sort of un, unlucky in a way that he gets caught out. <laughs> I don't want to make out this uh, podcast is uh, targeting nah, him. Nah, just, nah. Uh, on, <laughs> but now, so we better move on. We'll talk about the club um, a little bit later on. I want to talk about the upcoming season because there's a lot of uh, excitement around the club at the moment, especially in the women's field as well. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk about that, but a bit about yourself before getting into football. Um, you've obviously came from Mount Bar- uh, Mount Gambia. Yep. So a bit of a trek, um, yeah. not too far from Woodside though. But you started off in uh, AFL and or Aussie Rules. Yeah, what was the turning point to get into? Um, oh, it was just me. Well, you know, I think my best mate Skeet just yeah. um, wanted me to. Or we needed a goalkeeper in under fourteens, yeah. and uh, we didn't train on the same nights as footy, so I could do Did both. Both, and um, you know, our soccer down there is on a on a Sunday, and Aussie Rules was a Saturday, so. Uh, Mum and Dad were happy for me to do that, and a lot of people at Inter would, you know, I'd get rides with teammates and stuff like that if Mum and Dad couldn't take me. And yeah, and it just I had guys that I went to school with that all played, so it just sort of made sense. I just yeah went in and never looked back. You've gone from goalkeeping, yep, into coaching. Was there ever a point where you thought you would be more of a, a goalkeeper coach, or you always thought about? Um, I sort of did a little bit of goalkeeping yeah. coaching as such, but I mean. At, like, at Inter, we didn't have specialty yeah. coach. You're just, you know, you're you're an under 17s coach. You're, a, you know, you're sort of a a, a figure for the, you know, teenagers yeah. as well. And I'd pick them up from school. I'd drive them to train, and I really try to build like a good relationship with my team. And we're able to be pretty successful in that in that time. Um, but no, I never really. When I first came up here, I thought I wanted to be a goalkeeping coach, but. Uh, just could never find the actual course. Like there wasn't a course here at the time, and I'd done my sea license. In Adelaide, or yeah, in, in Adelaide. In Adelaide, yeah. yeah. And then I just done my sea license, and just thought I'll just become a senior coach instead. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's done your wonders, and uh, well, then you got your um, senior coaching role at Inter in uh, Mount Gambia alongside. I remember chatting to you a couple of times that Tony yeah. Diagostino is yeah. your uh, mentor. Yep. What was that like coaching under him and getting that experience from um, him? It was really good. So. 
sort of backpedal a little bit in coaching 2011, 2012 and 13 with under-17s. Um, when Tony, so he was pretty successful, coached six premierships in a row, then had a couple of years off. Um, and the year he come back, he said, I'll come back as long as Gaz can be an assistant and we can sort of build a relationship between the 17s and the two senior grades. Mm. Um, and then in 2013, I'd um, Carter, who was a, once again a you know, pretty successful coach as well for Inter. He decided to step down and... I was coaching 17s and then assistant coaching for the B's and the A's with, with Tony. And in 2014, I sort of went co-coach. And uh, yeah, in 2015, we sort of won again. So I think that was, oh, I think, our fifth premiership in a row. Oh, wow. Um, since they changed, they, the, the format was always first past the post. So I think we won six in a row with that format. And then they changed it to, um, you know, grand final sort of setup. And then we, we lost one year and then... I'd, um, yeah, we come back and won another five. So then I'd left in 2015. So I only had two years as a as a senior, like yeah. a lone stand senior coach. And then you left there and went did reserves for Metro Stars, uh, correct? I was, I was sort of, yeah, assistant for the reserves, but yeah. um, coaching the under-16s, which uh, even that was a pretty big step up. Sort of wasn't, wasn't sort of ready for it. And I think I was sort of naive in the sense that I'd never lost a premiership. Like ever since I'd been involved in soccer, I'd won, yeah. even if as a goalkeeper, I'd won three or four. Um, as a coach, I'd won, you know, I'd, well, sort of, sorry, as a senior coach and player, I'd been involved in seven and coached three under 17 ones. So I sort of thought I'd be okay. And then I come up and in the same year, under 17 or under 16s, we were fighting relegation and the reserves won the championship. So yeah. I had a Saturdays were always not too bad. We were always not, you know, pretty yeah. good. And then Sundays was, uh, you know, a bit of a task for me, but. I had pretty good help, like Rod Del Nido was. Um, he was very instrumental in me for that, and Steph Pappas and Nigel Gill were were very good for me in that first year as well. Um, sort of helping me find my feet within the sort of city setups. Yeah, and also with at that period, I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. I think Travis Dodd and also Robbie Saracino were also head coaches of the senior team around that time. Yeah, so Robbie, uh, so my first year, uh, Michael Peroni was was yeah. the senior coach and yeah. Robbie Saracino was his uh, assistant. Uh, then Peroni stepped back due to work and family and Robbie um, had taken over and Scotty Tunbridge helped him for that sort of second half of the season. Yeah. And then, yeah, Trav Dodd come on um, the following year. But I, yeah, I loved it. I loved being yeah. around those guys and... Um, I just loved watching them train their trainings and just learn off them as much as I can. Yeah, how what did you learn from there? Like, how did that shape your the way um, you coach now? I think it's everyone's different. Like, yeah. but I was sort of try to see myself as a bit of a motivator more yeah. than sort of tactical. Um, but you know, sort of watch the way Trav thinks about the game and yeah. even Steph Pappas and Nigel at sort of a smaller scale. But um, I think just Robbie Saris, you know, for me as much you know like I'd, he probably doesn't know but I just used to model how I wanted to be around him in his mentality towards trainings and game day and be as prepared as possible but he's just sometimes his um his demeanor is just he seems really calm and uh he'll you know sort of give you a bit of a push if you need to be pushed but sometimes but you know in front of open open public he's you know really sort of level-headed yep. um but then you know as I said if he needs to sort of ramp it up a little bit he will behind closed doors but tries not to show as much in public so you know keeps the players sort of not protected but keeps the respect for them at that level which I'd probably never seen um, especially from the southeast. sometimes coaches were just mates and you know just guys that loved the game and wanted yeah. to help and um, but for me it's just a professionalism that they all bring they're just yeah very prepared have an idea have a plan B and C which I've 
never had to have until I come to Adelaide. So <laughs> yeah, well, um, that yeah. plan B and C, as you mentioned, that come into play with what you did last year with the Ollie Grant situation. Yeah, a little you bit, did, and, yeah. and it was. I mean, it's you know, I mean, we'll go to Ollie Grant, but even, <laughs> but even a couple of times, um, we didn't really have a plan when Nathan, if Nathan was yeah. out, um, which you know, the one game he was out, we sort of struggled a fair bit just for mm. that leadership, and that's sort of one thing that we're trying to build at the Hawks now is sort of a larger first team squad um, to make you know it's a little bit harder for reserves and under 18s to push into but then you find the best of the best um, and I think that's probably one thing I found when I was at, at Metro Stars I thought you know our reserve squad was when we won the championship I thought all of them could be first team players but then yeah. when you see the kind of calibre that you have at first team level um, and you know the, the guys still there like Tony Salonia and uh, Rocky Callisto and Fabian Barbiero you know, Tim Henderson come along then and Christian Esposito so you've got these you know unbelievable footballers um, and there's guys that are reserves that are probably really good but you've got to be outstanding to push some of these boys out and it's like what Nathan said at the presentation night for the Hawks he, you know he's not just going to give up his spot he loves the club too much to just step away it sort of builds a bit of passion and drive from the junior grades and even the reserves to really is you know strive for to be better to get into that first team yep. football and talking about love for a club you must have had a lot of love for um inter and mount gambia because from metro stars you went back there and took another opportunity up yeah so i'd moved back for family reasons and yep. i wasn't going to coach um just i went back and played a little bit and uh yeah sort of wasn't for me i sort of got a couple of injuries in me um because i'm blind in my left eye i sort of struggled a little bit being out of the game for six years um so i sort of done a bit of goalkeeping stuff the with um the three keepers that we had at, at the club and then tony d'agostino was going to step back and oh, i had no intentions of sort of taking over because my goal was to move back to metro stars i only went down there for a year and a half i suppose and and then he said you know he wanted he was stepping back and really wanted me to take over so i sort of come in and changed everything so it came and out of nowhere you weren't intentionally going back there or no nah, i wasn't i nah. had nah. no intention to go back and coach just because i didn't want to only coach for one season then move back to adelaide so yeah. i sort of tried to stay away from it but when tony you know sort of asked me and wanted me to and he, he said it didn't matter if you're only going to do it for one season just do it and yeah i went in and changed a fair bit and yeah. but I think they, the players enjoyed it and the club, you know, were real successful. So yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Well, that's a good win-win for everyone. Yeah, that's it. And then were you still, at that point, were you trying to come back into the into league? Because I know, I heard, I'm not sure you can correct this, the way you got into the Hawks, you came, watched them in the State League too and then wanted to be a part of the club. Yeah, so I was still at Metro at the time, um, but I was living with my wife now, but she was just my girlfriend back then um, in Meadows at like, where her family yeah. were from. Um and sometimes when we played out north, uh, the way to come home was just through the hills and um, the back roads. And I'd sort of stop in every now and then. I'd see the lights on on a Saturday night and pull in. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, it just got, I just got drawn to it. I don't know if it was just a regional sort of setup and me yeah. being from a from a country town and, and sort of knowing how hard it can be to oh, pull sponsorship, get players, get volunteers. And I'd just seen those, you know, these wonderful people doing a fantastic job, which every club has, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, but I think it just sort of pulled a few heartstrings seeing that it was the same people and it was sort of the same kind of setup as what Inter has. You've got a club legend that, you know, has, has gone and played at a high level and come back and, you know, tried to help, you know, wants to help the club and Dan Butler and you had Craig Leith as a club legend there and Fraser Keegan and, you know, and then you've got the people behind the... Um, behind the scenes in, uh, you know, uh, Gabby and the Canine and Adzi and Paul Hyder. And it's just, yep. yeah, I think I just got drawn to the people there and 
sent a few emails and a couple of text messages and yeah, and then we had the break in COVID, so I sort of I wasn't coaching that year in 2020. Um, I was just helping. I was just on the committee at Metro, and then yeah, just a bit of a personal thing, and sort of stepped away from that. And um, yeah, Butler asked me if I wanted to help out the junior academy, and then asked me to help out with under 18s. And then Craig brought me on, sort of helping with the yep, just doing some stats for the first team, and. And yeah, I sort of was able to find my way in. So. Find your way yeah. in. And then obviously that leads us back into the, the the year that you had last year with them. First year in, in the, um, as a coach of State League One. Yep. And first time in that structure as well, because you were used yeah. to the NPL and also the regional with uh, in Inter. Did you have Craig Leith to fall back on if you needed to? Yeah, or, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd ring him a lot, um, especially early on when it come to sort of... Um, planning structure and because yeah. uh, I'd never really had to do that and I think that's why I'm a little bit naive in how much I thought I'd have to do um, but I think that you know the players that you've got really respect what you do and if you've got a plan and you're confident in your plan they'll they'll stand by you yeah. um, and they'll you know do everything they can to give everything they've got for you as long as you're willing to, yeah. to do the same for them um, and I think that's sort of where a lot of the boys might have faith in me that I just like I try my hardest in what I do and you know, don't try and make up excuses. I'll just say it was my, you know, yeah. at the start of the last year, we tried a different formation. It just didn't work. So yeah. I had to put my hand up and say, it doesn't work. Let's change it. And, um, but yeah, I think Craig was really good for me. And I mean, you know, Fraser and, and Robbie Bucco, especially because Robbie was my assistant coach and sort of just a bit of a guidance for me. I think I'd lose my head a little bit and, you know, get angry at something. I want to take, make a change in 10 minutes and he'd yeah. calm me down and just, you know, sort of give me a different way to look at it. So I've, I was pretty lucky in the, in the group that I had around me, mm. um, and then even Jack Daly, I know you know he was still pretty raw in the sense of coaching, um, but for him he'd sort of been assistant for the last couple of years, so having him as just sort of a bit of a sounding board was really good for me. Uh, the, da- the Daly family have a big influence in the club. You got obviously with uh, Jared, Jared yep. in defence, and the other brother played there as well before Mitch, Mitch yeah. as well. So the, the Daly family has a big uh, yeah, bit of an so, influence in that club. Well, Mitch is um, Mitch is coming. He's training with us at the moment because he wants to sort of get back into playing. So, yep. um, and even in preseason, the last sort of few weeks, he's been really good to bounce off because yeah, mm. he's had a pretty good uh, coaching sort of background. Now, we worked with Andy at South yeah. for a year and been with him at Adelaide City f- with the women's for a, for a bit. So he's um. Yeah, he's been really good for me sort of since coming back and yeah, Jared as well. So I'm sort of lucky with the players and the and the people at the club that we've got that sort of have confidence in me and it sort of makes me able to do what I want to do a little bit better, I suppose. Did you fit in nicely with that thing? Because like, it's a very um, big community, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As soon as you sort of put yourself out there and and not big note yourself as such, um, I think you, they're always going to welcome you in and if you're willing to just help out if it, you know, if it's taken the beer bottles and putting them in the bin or if mm. it's you know packing up the change rooms and I think that's what the players are really good at like ask them to do something they're willing to do it and you know coaches are the sort of same and that's really you know um, big Benny he's uh, he's you know he's a godsend for us because he looks after all the gear and <laughs> pumps all the balls up and stuff like that but I think it's just yeah if you be yourself and you're open with them then they'll welcome you in with yeah. open arms and just love you forever sort of thing. Yeah, because with my, I've obviously commentated your games last year in, yeah. in PL TV and I've noticed, I was chatting to a lot of the other teams, a lot of people find it a little bit difficult coming up there and I find it difficult as well and one of the things I reckon it is, it's that bloody cold. It yeah. is freezing oh, up there. On a, <laughs> I know you, out of everyone, you seem to not phase uh, you at all but what other reasons are there that people just struggle to win up there? Because White City won the grand final 
and just yeah, missed yeah. out on finishing top. You guys beat them at home. What What is that difference that you guys seem to have? I think it's just people have that mentality that they don't want to travel. People just, I think, and that's, you know, as soon as they get up there, you hear them complaining about the yeah. weather or complaining having to drive up here yeah. or, you know, I'm wasting my Saturday night up here and you could be in the city going to a pub, but instead you're at yeah. Woodside going to play and it's going to be five degrees. So as soon as that's your mentality, um, you're sort of going to struggle sort yeah. of early anyway. And that, you know, sort of spoke to Jason Trimboli and, uh, when when they travelled up there, he put it drew it into the, into their mind that you know we're not going to be a walkover. It's yep. going to be a difficult game, and you know so nothing went right for us that night, and everything went right for them. I think just some people just yeah they've got a negative negative mentality as soon as they know yeah. that they're playing the Hawks at the Nest straight away. They're just complaining yeah. about it. So you start complaining from the Tuesday yep. when you get there on the Friday or the Saturday. <laughs> it's a long it's a long week to complain about travelling forty minutes yep. up the hill to to a game but yeah I think nothing nothing better than a you know five degree Saturday night at the nest at oh, seven yes. o'clock kickoff so. I absolutely hate it and <laughs> one thing also I noticed is that the young kids they they stay there like that from the, the juniors that come in watch the big boys because someone like Daniel Pauly that you guys yeah, have yep. he also trains them as well yeah. so he coaches them and I've noticed that that culture within, within the kids and growing up that I love watching the uh, senior boys and yeah, yep. you see that at a lot of other clubs as well but it's good to see that you guys have a lot of that happening yeah well that, and, you know I think we had especially sort of the under 12s we they were nearly at every home game there'd be 10 under 12s yeah. out there and a lot of it yeah Paulie's team the under 15s mm-hmm. and um you know even under 14s and stuff like that you get a you get a good group out there and um you know our our boys sort of show them you know go up and chat to them and have a bit of fun kick the ball around with them and uh, go, I think a couple of them went out to a few training sessions. So the more you do that, the more they're going to be yeah. wanting to come out and, and watch them. And, you know, there's always a lot of questions on when's Ollie and Elmsy going to come to training. We want Fridge and Elmsy to come to training. Yeah. So they're the two uh, they're the two favourites, especially with the younger group. And hopefully they can have a long enough career as uh, um, Nathan Elliott has as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, you know, I think he started in, I think what he say, he started in under 12s or 13s or something like that and he's still there. So... Yeah, I think what he, I think he said he's coming into his, um, I think he said twenty first or twenty second yeah. season as a first. Now I could be wrong, but he's cracked the four hundred games last year, so he's yeah. about four. I think he said he's about four eighteen or four nineteen now or something like that. I think including cup games. So he's um, yeah, definitely been a fantastic player to have, especially for me. Um, you know, a big decision for me was sort of to bring him in as captain just because yeah. I needed the, that that sort of senior role and. Um, and there was nothing against Jake Leckel, but I think just Nathan sort of really calmed me, and he was a uh, he messaged me every night now and then, and just sort of try and be a bit of support for me, especially yep. when when we were losing or if I felt like I'd lost the group and every, you know little bits like that. I probably got a lot of self doubt um, in sort of my coaching abilities, but he'd always uh, sort of you know keep me level headed and just tell me to keep doing what I'm doing or go back to what I want to do and believe in what I'm doing. Mm. So, yeah, he's if every club can have a Nathan Elliott that sticks around for 400 games, uh, you know, it's it, it's uh, fantastic to have him, especially because he's been through the highs and lows of the mm. of the club. So he's seen us at our worst and he's been there at the best. So, yeah, he's had a went wonderful career that will just keep on going, I think. Absolutely. I hope he can crack the 500, which would be... Well, I think he's going... Because he started off as a striker and he's just making his way. So he said to Connor, as soon as he's had enough on field, he's going to go into goals. So, which he actually is not too bad between the pipes. He's...
Uh, yeah, he sort of dives around every now and then. But um, I think we had him as our reserve keeper for a couple of games there. So <laughs> We can extend his career a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes, keepers don't retire till they're 46, 47. So. This year, it's going to be a big um, a big year for the club as well. The men um, back in, still in the State League 1, but also for the women. They got For the very first time, you've got an elite team. Yeah. The WSL, they're entering that. Because I saw at the awards night, I was thank, luckily invited to um, MC the event. You guys... The buzz around the room, everyone was excited for the season coming. The girls, yeah. they were um, very excited for the year. But as yeah. a coach, head coach of the men's, what's it mean to you? Like having- I think it gives the girls the same pathway as what yeah. our juniors have. So now they've got a senior team to aspire to. Because I know, um, I wasn't at the club, but I know a couple of girls had left to go and play in the state league at other clubs. Um, and that's probably one thing that hurt, hurt us a little bit. We lost a... Uh, not heaps but I think we lost a bit of a batch of juniors there so I think for him it's uh, like for, for the club sorry and Luke and Ash have done a fantastic job into building the, the girls into what they are the women into what they are um, and Conrad and Enzo with the junior team so I think they're going to be sort of helping in some form of way with the senior structure as well but it gives those under 17 girls and even the under 15 girls a pathway now and, yeah. and something to strive to and I mean even the division division 4 women like I know I think they won the Div 5s so they got promoted and then so you know they're for them, it's even better that they've now sort of got another strive, something to sort of strive towards in the in the women's state league. And you know, I was a little bit not worried, but I didn't know if we'd have the depth. But when they said it wasn't wasn't a reserve squad in the state league, I thought, well, that's okay because they are. Division two girls were strong enough. Well, that's yeah. what I thought, but um, I just didn't know if we'd have the depth as a club. But I think with the way the juniors have structured, and you know, we're just growing more and more as a club mm. now. I think we've been able to add another junior girls team in. I think, and it's um, fantastic. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's just a sport, and it's you know, I mean, hats off to the club for for the way they've gone about it. And as I said, the four people I just mentioned. I mean, there's other people behind the scenes, but also don't have a little bit to do with Luke and Ash, and um, and then Enzo and Conrad. They've been fantastic in their junior teams, and what Conrad does with the federation, I think it's going to be. Um, you know, I think and Enzo as well. If if we keep striving forward, there's no reason why you know the Division Four girls or women won't be getting promoted again and yep. just making the the women's team stronger and stronger. And then you can attract players back as well. So well, it'll be good because a lot of people said in the hills, it's good to have that elite um, team. You got obviously with uh, Mount Bark United and the Adelaide Hills Hawks yep. in the men's competition, but women had only the amateur teams to yeah. join. But now they got that elite pathway in their home yeah, in their home yeah. region. Yeah, that's and I think you know, and it's um. And the coaches that we've got there, yeah. you know, Luke's very good in what he does and and the plans and everything that he has in place. Um, you know, as I said, I haven't sort of sat down with him very much and sort of got to know what he what he's working on, but just watching even their trainings yeah. and stuff like that, you can tell that, um, you know, they're moving in the right direction, which is fantastic for the club, not just not just for the women's, but for the men's as well, to know that the club behind the scenes is doing a lot of work to make sure that we've, we're being represented as best we could in you know, yep. both male and female. It's going to be fantastic for the the club in general. Hopefully you guys can win some silverware on both sides of the team, of the club. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. We're going to end, uh, wrap it up now, and uh, I want to do some kicking it questions because of the podcast, Kicking It Local. Yep. So a couple of questions. If you had the chance to, anyone in football, who would you love to kick a uh, ball with at the park? Could be anyone. Probably Mark Schwarzer. I Mark reckon. Schwarzer? Yeah. Just being a keeper, I sort of... Yeah. He was... Oh, Mark Bosnich, but Mark Schwarzer was the first... When I started getting into soccer, yeah. he was the... 
he was a national keeper and uh, yeah, I think I just enjoyed watching and just loved the way he went about it and yeah, so probably yeah, Mark Schwartz would be one I reckon. That'll be, yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think you could use uh, Bosnich for this question. Name two people. So one is a, a footballer. And one, someone locally in either at the club now or local football, yep. that you would uh, you would spend a Saturday night, a kickback, and watching football with, uh, and have a few coldies as well, maybe. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mark Bosnich was probably pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. Always, uh, if we're gonna have a few cold ones and sort of enjoy ourselves, I reckon Paulie's always pretty uh, pretty good entertainment. Yep. Or even oh, Daniel uh, Paulie. Yeah, yep. Daniel Paulie, or even Fridge, like Ollie Grant. Yep. Yep. If you sort of tell him that. <laughs> You can stir him up a little bit, and then he'll get on a bit of a, a bit of a rant rave. So I reckon I'd have to go with them three. I'd reckon just uh, just because Paulie and Ollie can get under each other's skin, and I can just sit there with Mark Bosnich and have a laugh. So. That'll be funny. <laughs> That'll be a good one, mate. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking no, with you. No, and, thanks uh, for having me. Good luck for the uh, upcoming season. Hopefully, it's not too hard for you guys, and oh, you're right. not too cold either. Hawks, no, mate. We're resilient. So <laughs> absolutely, all the best. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.